Hello, my name is Usman Jamil, and this is Anthony Avatolo. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing amazing. Awesome. This is a this a, we're doing a podcast on uh, cube drafting. But if you haven't heard of cube drafting, a I don't know why the hell you're listening to this, and b you need to pause iTunes and just Google it, Google cube drafting or cube magic, the gathering, and then restart this. But yeah, this podcast will be talking about various topics for cube drafting and all that kind of fun stuff. We don't yeah, even have gonna... we don't we don't even have a name, but you know we're that's that's how kind of we're you know we're we're kind of rolling with it. Yeah, we're open to suggestions. If people have awesome ideas for names and not the cube podcast, derf derf, that would be <laughs> that would be you know well accepted. We we'd love to hear from you guys. Indeed. So, uh, Anthony, why don't you uh, describe, like, your history in terms of, like, the cube and stuff like that? Or, or describe, sure. like, yourself and you know, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm, I'm a Leo, and uh, I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> and my ter- – oh. Um, well, actually, I've been uh, – you want me to talk about magic stuff. Okay, well, <laughs> um, I've been playing magic forever, and I'm unreal old. Uh, I've been playing magic, actually, since Alliances – so right around 1997 or so is when I started playing. Um, and my very first pack, I remember it was like, oh, this is a collectible card game. And my first pack I opened of Alliances had a Balduvian Horde in it, which I oh, recently wow. seen was a $25 card. And I'm like, this is the easiest thing ever. Of course I'll play Magic. <laughs> I played Star Wars before that, the uh, Decipher game, and it was uh, very compli- very complicated for a new gamer. Magic yeah. was just so much more elegant, so... We switched, and God, how many years later now? Fourteen years later, I'm still playing. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing, you know, Magic for a long time, competitively, probably for most of that time, um, competitively in in quotation marks, of course. Um, but I've been cubing for about I've had a cube now for about six or seven years at least. Um, had a long history with it, and I've gotten to play test a lot of cards and do a lot of things. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of my history with it. I've been playing all, you know, I've never done the big cash out. You know, a lot of Magic players do the, oh, well, I, I'm done. And then they sell all their cards, and then a year later they're coming to me, and they're like, hey, uh, do you have any uh, uh, of this card? I <laughs> sold all my stuff. So so See, basically, I, yeah, my, my, my bio is basically I'm unreal old. I've been playing forever, both Magic and the Cube. That's that's pretty much it. How about See, you, I, Usman? See, I did the cash out thing, but I had nothing worth anything, so it's like, oh, here's nothing. Whoop de doo. Right. But, You're but like, I, oh, sweet. I can buy a pack of smokes. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, or some Taco Bell or something. It's like, right, nope. right, man. Back in the day, you could get all kind. You can get it. You used to be able to get a ten taco box for like four dollars, <laughs> five dollars. Now it's like ten bucks, man. Inflation. Ah. Uh. Good times, good times. All right, so so where do you come from, Usman? How long have you been playing? I don't, I don't know if I've ever officially asked you that. Okay. Uh, I started in uh, – I'm trying to remember the year exactly, but it was around the time of, like, Fallen Empires Revised. Oh, wow. So that's actually longer than me then. Yeah, I think by, like, a year or something. But, yeah, I kind of – I played – you know, never was really that amazing back in the day. You know, I can, I can say I was a terrible player back in the day. All I played was Constructed. Oh, I think we all were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was I played until uh I think about Urza Saga block and like much of like the magic community 
Urza's block, Urza's block did most of the damage, but masks made me quit. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was kind of like the, I'm trying to think of an analogy, it's kind of like the straw that broke, broke the, that broke the camel's back kind of thing, it was like, oh, this is horrible, and then Mask was like, well. Holy ha- crap, this is slow <laughs> and boring, like Stinging Barrier was like the best card in draft, yeah. because it was an O for a wall that can ping people. It, it required mana even. <laughs> yes, you had to pay a blue mana too to, to activate it, but that card was so sick. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like, had quit for a while right around that time and came back in and Urza's Destiny into Masks. So I kind of missed Combo Winter. Oh, completely. yeah. That seemed like a good time. Like, I'm, Academy was a good reason why I quit. Just because I, I didn't, you know, it just wasn't fun. And I was like, oi. And then I was kind of, I sold, I think I sold my cards in 2002 when, you know, I got, I didn't get much. Like, I didn't get a Taco Bell box, but I didn't get, like, much. I never had any, like, you know, I didn't have any Moxin Lotuses or even like original duels, so I don't feel uh-huh. completely idiotic. Yeah, I think I had like a few Wraths or something and a balance. Yeah, so it wasn't like anything crazy. Sure. And then I came back. I think I was lurking the Wizard site like around Apocalypse. You know, just kind of every once on and off. And then I saw the like how Spiritmonger was like the create a card thing. Mm-hmm. And then saw that and I was just like, oh. I guess I'll stay away for a few more years. Huh. Spearmonger was sweet, though. Yeah, I mean, but it was just so ridiculous. I thought, I was like, man, I guess I guess it's the same thing. And yeah, then I can't like, tell you how many people would... The, the, the Spearmonger Slay game was my favorite part in Constructed, because people would have one mana or the other up, and I... I, I I've probably lost count of how many times I would leave, you know, I'd have a green mana up, and they're like, slay it. Okay, make it a blue color other than green. Yeah. Oh, or they would leave a black man up, and I go slay your spirit monger. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. The, the slay. It was you know. It was also the wild mongrel game too. Like, oh yeah, people would just try to slay your wild mongrel, and you're like, wait, I'm sorry. What? Can you repeat that again? I yeah. <laughs> realize I I have cards in my hand, right? Sure. I don't like... holder of best creature ever, wild mongrel. Yeah, free force of will, whatever. Oh man. Whew. Yeah. Wild mongrel. I, uh, I, I think I kept on lurking during like, you know, this I kept lurking until I finally went to the betrayers pre release and then someone told me, Hey, they have free you know, they have drafts here every Friday. I'm like, huh. Huh. Okay. Awesome. And you know, I didn't draft back in the day and I sucked at first, but you know, I kept getting better. And, you know, I got into cubing about the time, like, a bunch of people in St. Louis, and that's where I'm from, by the way, from St. Louis. And there was some people here, you know, who were talking on the forums, like the local forums about cubing. And I got kind of interested in it. And then I think Evan Irwin did an episode of The Magic Show about, you know, cube and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And that kind of got me. I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I better just, you know, I just seriously just do it. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to do it myself. And then, you know, eventually... You know, just was looking at other lists, you know, kind of trying to back, you know, trying to uh, backwards engineer a cube. Sure. And then eventually made mine around Morning Tide, which I guess was like, what, 06-ish? I don't yeah. know, man. I'm old. I don't remember what year things came out anymore. <laughs> I know Alliances came out in 97-ish. That's, yeah. that's all I got for you. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Yeah, my uh, my cube actually came out of um, – our, our type four stack when I moved away from Ohio after I, uh, I was, you know, played type four, had come up with it, 
um, which is awesome. Like a bunch of people still play it, which is really cool. Um, did you uh, didn't you come up with that type? Four? I did. Yeah. Well, what what happened was I was I was sitting around and I had this box of I always kept a box of bad rares and I looked at this box of bad rares and I'm like, man, this is just there's a ton of really sweet cards in here that I just can't play because you know Xanthic statue costs eight and then is like eight to activate or whatever ridiculous thing it was. Yeah. Like, man, this should be a format where we can actually play all these cards. So uh, I, I, you know, got a got a big stack of cards together and kind of came up with the basic type four. Not not in its it, today. It's become a draft format. The way we did it was basically just a a giant stack of cards, and you know, you just took cards out of it and played them, you know, around the table, kind of like the way DC Ten runs now. Yeah. Um, and just you know, hey, we should do this and use these cards. And apparently, it it caught on. Uh, apparently, Paul Mastriano was at a, a a PTQ or something in Akron where we were and. Friends of mine were playing with my stack, and but you know, once it, it got kind of boring after a while, after I'd moved to Phoenix, and we're just like, you know, I have a lot of cards. We should make a cube. But we had seen, uh, I believe it was a Canadian, someone in in Canada had a website about the cube. Early I think on it was, I think it might have been like MTG Ontario. I yeah, think. that that sounds about right. And uh, my friend Adam Prozac, uh, who had just moved to Phoenix. Um, we're just like, oh, we should build a cube. So we raided my binders and and put one together, and that's pretty much all she wrote. I've never really played Type Four since then, just because yeah. uh, the cube is just so much more interesting for me. And uh, I don't know, it's I've just never just never looked back. And it's but it's really neat that something like Type Four is is still going on and, and people still play it, which is uh, kind of neat to to feel like, man, I actually did something. You know, I haven't won any pro tours or anything, but you know, I had yeah. I had an effect upon the Magic community a little bit. I was about to say, have you, have you made decent cash on the uh, on the Star City stuff? Yeah, I, I've I've cashed a few times. Uh, I top forward the one in St. Louis, actually, where we had first met. Yeah. Um, I top forward with Goblins on the Legacy Day, uh, and I'd previously top sixteen a couple times, and then just recently at the Invitational, even though I bombed day one of the Invitational. I, uh, there. I yeah, it was really awkward. I don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, the uh, legacy tournament the next day, I got to play uh, Jerry T's insane survival deck, the the ooze survival deck. Was and that the one with the uh, the Phyrexian dude from your first set yeah. alliances? Yes, Phyrexian Devourer, <laughs> which is really funny because uh, I'm uh, both myself and a friend were playing the deck, and he's like, "Do you have any Phyrexian Devourers?" And I'm like, "You damn right, I got Phyrexian Devourers." <laughs> and I went and found my old. I have two complete sets of alliances, and I'm like, "Yoink, yoink, there they are." Nice. And, uh, and literally, the you know, just played the deck, or the deck played me right into top eight, where I you know promptly punted a bunch and gave away. But you know, but it's a lot of fun, and I, I've got some points racked up in that thing, and. If you guys, you know, anyone listening, if you guys haven't had a chance to play in those Star City events, they are just unbelievable. They're so much fun. Um, I've been to a few Pro Tours, and the people I've met at Pro Tours, you know, eh, if you know them or you know a friend of theirs, it's okay. You can kind of hang out with people. But I've never met friendlier people than than the people on the uh, Star City Tours. Wow. Um, everyone is, is just super excited to be there and super happy to be there. There's not a whole lot of – there's – I had never gotten that. Well, you're not part of the team. You're not part of this. Everyone just goes to have a great time, and they're really well run. And they just they they bring a bunch of people, and they're just unbelievable. I'm very happy with those, and you guys should be too. If if you haven't been to one, you guys should go and and check them out. Especially if even if you're not that competitive, they run all kinds of side events. If you're just a drafter, they have those draft opens now on day two, where it's a basically a double shootout draft 
all you have to do is 3-0 your first pot and you've made top eight and some money. So wow. it's, it's even a pretty quick day too if you only have, you know, a few hours to, to burn on a Sunday. You can just go play in a draft. You know, all the, all you moto grinders out there can show up to one of those and, uh, show your skills, man. Show what you got. See, I didn't really do much at the St. Louis one because I'm mainly a drafter and I was just like, oh, but you know, I still enjoyed like the side event stuff and just hanging out and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is just hanging out and trading with people and talking with people. I and mean, we always make it a point to cube. That's actually most of the cubing. Now that I've moved to uh, Georgia, I've moved twice in the past two years. Uh, most of my cubing that I do now is I, I do at these events, you know, because everybody there is super happy and super excited to to just play magic and hang out and have a good time. So I've gotten a lot of my my feedback on cube from. Uh, recently from a lot of a lot of the pro types too, people like Jerry Thompson and Alex Bertoncini and, and Ben Weinberg and, and these guys who are just at all these events and, and just love magic and love the game. So doesn't Alex like super into cubing? Right? Yes, he is. He's actually, even though he doesn't really can, he doesn't say too much about it online. He has a, uh, you know, a fully or close to fully pimped out cube. He has probably built, he, he's told me he's built like six or seven different cubes, like a tribal cube, this kind of cube, he just he is just the the biggest cube fanatic possible. <laughs> more than would, more than would, like me. Yeah, I mean he's just like crazy. He like nice. you know every time I see him, he's like, oh, where's your cube? Oh my god, oh we need the cube, we need the cube. You know, it's all about you know cubes, Cuban women with uh, with Alex, <laughs> cube Jeez. women and merfolk. So, but yeah, he's he's great and uh, he he's super into it too. And I I kind of wish we could get him you know a little bit more involved in in all the cubing that's going on. But he's too busy being player of the year and, and winning actual money playing magic. <laughs> not like not like the rest of us who are like, hey, what? Uh, the other day I, I, I traded one of my uh, Scars lands for a uh, Ravnica dual land. Man, I made so much money. <laughs> what? Uh, that's 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 you know how much money the rest of us magic players make. We don't make actual money like uh, like Alex does. So we all can't, unfortunately. No, no, not enough room at the top of the mountain for everybody. Thumbs the so. brakes. Well, Usman, why don't you talk a little bit about your cube philosophy so people have an idea of where we're coming from, how we like to build the cube. Because there's a lot of people out there, there's big debates of powered versus unpowered, how big it is, what kind of commitments to what sort of decks, and things like that. So so our listeners have a chance to to hear where you're coming from. Well, uh, I, I kind of – I forgot to mention that I also – I do articles for uh, quietspeculation.com. I've okay. done some writing for like uh, Evan Irwin's CubeDrafting.com site, and there was there's an article I did on uh, MGG Salvation, and I think like a grand pe- total of like two people read the article I did on Mana Nation, and one of one of the people like was complaining about it, of course. <laughs> well, wait, that's the nature of the internet in general. It's like it, it is. It's like someone put effort into something must try to take a dump on it. Yeah, exactly. It's just like whatever. But I don't know. I for the most part like a lot. I I. I guess I'm a stickler for the old kind of cubes. Like, a lot of the original cubes, from my understand, you know, were, like, Power 9, pretty much anything goes. I mean, obviously, there's a method a method to the madness, but that's generally what I like, you know, just, like, pretty much just a, a balanced, but, you know, just allowing, you know, whatever cards, but, you know, having, obviously, a balance within all the colors and whatever. Like sure, I, how, about, how about size? How many cards do you run? Uh, right now, 450. Like, I have a regular cube and a commons cube, and my regular cube's at 450, and it's pretty tight. Like, there's so many cards I want to put in. There's so many artifacts I want to put in because of scars. And then, like, my commons cube is 450, but 
it's kind of the opposite where it feels, you know, there's a lot of, it feels pretty huge. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot of, there's, there's not chaff, but there, you know, it's not like super tight or anything, but again, that's, sure, kind I, of, I think it's kind of hard with, uh, what do they call it? Is that peasant? When it's just commons, uh, I think either I know peasant, popper too, which I thought was commons and uncommons. I could be backwards on those, but I think popper's commons because Adam Adam Stiborski has a, a commons cube and he calls okay. it a popper cube. So that, okay, that sounds right. So then the peasant cube would be the commons and uncommons. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's generally what I, I mean. I I've definitely been a big proponent of like not just having a cube be a pile of cards and. I, and just kind of looking at it as a holistic view. And I think I was, like, one of the few, first few people, for example, who, like, when I was looking at cubes and I saw Crystal Shard and Artifacts, I'm like, that makes no sense. Or, like, Crystal Shard and Vidalcan Shackles. I'm like, these well, don't make I think Vidalcan Shackles is a bigger example of that, for sure. Yeah, like, I was like, these cards shouldn't be Artifacts. They're blue. They're essentially blue cards. And just kind of, like, thought of it, you know, in terms of, like, there's a horrible accounting joke, I could say, but... You know, this is our first episode. I don't even know if we have people who are listening at this point. Right. We don't have. We don't know if we have people who are listening, let alone accountants who are listening, yeah, exactly. let alone accountants who have made it 17 minutes and you know 20 seconds into it so far and, and haven't turned it off. So you might want to save that one for later on. <laughs> and if accountants have, props to you. Right. Right. Put a ta- put an attack in that one for later. Yeah. A reminder one for episode 305. Yeah. <laughs> the CPA episode. Right. This is for all you accountants out there. <laughs> Woo! Audit tour. Oh, oh uh, I guess the next entry. Oh, 10 or whatever. In 99 years. Right. Uh, so what, how uh, many cards is that per color then for 450? Uh, I think like 60, 61, I think like 61 or so. Okay. So like, it's, it's not something I would like, you know, I'm not like going like, Hey, this is how, you know, everybody should do it. But that's, that's the number I'm at. I'm pretty happy with it. Okay. Very like cool, yeah. One artifacts, um, and, you know, I, I, I took the, you know, I took the idea for, like, how to do the other stuff, like artifacts, multicolor, uh, colorless, a guy on, uh, MTG Salvation called, named White Wolf 123. I'm not gonna pronounce the actual characters, cause I would sound terrible, but you know, he had the idea of kind of looking at making sections, like, colorless for, like, artifacts and colorless lands, like, you know, Rishadon Port, uh, flying glaciers or whatever, and artifacts or multicolor having them be in their own section, like Azorius Signet and Eventser being in the white-blue section, because they're essentially white-blue cards. I see. And that's how I kind of run mine. I forget how many are each section. I think eight multicolor... Eight for each multicolor guild, and like... Right, else. but those include those include uh, artifacts that are aligned that way, and do you include, for example, like Azorius Chancery, Chancery or whatever, as a blue white card as well? Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I'm running that particular letter. That's just the the bounce yeah, line. The bounce line. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I'm uh if I'm running that. But yeah, like that, like the man, the colonnade, definitely. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but, uh, so that works. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much how I how I do things. Kind of like just like I don't know. I kind of look at things from a weird angle. Like if you go on, I have a blog. Which I'll gratuitously plug. I'd rather be cubing.wordpress.com. And every once in a while I'll post, like, I'll randomly think of cards in a different way. Like, Wormfang Drake, which is some really obscure, common. It's like a. a is that the morph from Time Spiral that you get to flip for a white mana, even though it's a blue card? 
No, it was it was like a three mana three four, and when it comes into play, you RFG a creature or you sacrifice it, and essentially it was essentially like a champion creature. You know, it's like a three four flyer for three. When it comes into play, RFG a creature you control, and then when the Drake dies or you know release play, the creature comes back. And at first I thought, wow, this creature's terrible. It's like a horrible creature, and then thought of it in a different way. I was like, wait, it's more like a you know like more like a champion creature slash aura. And once I thought of it in that way, I was like, you know, this definitely seems a lot better. And you know, I kind of thinking of stuff like that. I, you know, kind of had a weird point of view of stuff like that. But sure. I babbled on way too long. So, Anthony, <laughs> what is what is your POV on cubing and stuff like well, that? Well, with the Cuban, and I've I've also written an article too that's on MTG Salvation uh, in there, and it, and it goes through a lot of my opinions on things. But I am definitely a no power, no fast artifact mana person. Um, while I do enjoy that once in a while, I feel like games that, even though it doesn't happen, you know, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but games that start, I've seen descriptions of, well, I played a first turn, this dragon, and I lost that game because my opponent played this enormous thing on turn two. Oh, it was <laughs> so fun. And like, I, I don't know, I, I'm not a, a big fan of, of games like that. And I, I feel like, uh, if one person gets to break the rules of magic by by playing a mox, you know, breaking the one land per tour, per turn rule, or things like Sol Ring, mm-hmm. uh, or Library of Alexandria, even stuff like that, I, I think games just can become too lopsided too quickly. And yeah. although I do make a, a strong support for aggressive cards and, and actually being able to draft aggressive decks instead of just you know uh, slower mid range type games. Um, I feel like those kinds of things aren't interactions that I want in my cube. Uh, I just don't want games over like that because that's not really, while it's kind of fun for the person playing the cards, it's not fun to be like, land Jackal Pup, go. And they're like, land Sol Ring Signet, go. Mm-hmm. It's okay, kind of like uh, like uh, watching your opponent combo off and you're just kind of twiddling your thumbs or like texting somebody. It's like, yep, right. I'm getting comboed off. Right, I'll, right. I'll, I'll see you in like 10 minutes. Exactly, kind of and you're like, second turn, attack for two, and then I'll play this 2-2 two, two, or 3-3, three, three. and they're like, sweet, land, her, her, Kaiga, this your guy, her, ancestor myself, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this was fun. So so yeah. I stay away from the fast artifact mana and, and things like that, just so games have a, a chance to develop a little more naturally uh, and not necessarily like type 1 matches. Um, I run a slightly bigger cube. Mine is around 525 cards. Um, it was smaller than that. It was right around 500 for the longest time. And then Zendikar came out. Oh, God. And... That, that card, that set was like the cube, the cube like savior. Well, I don't want to say savior, but it was, it was like the cube so mecha. Yeah. It, it was just, there's just so many great cards from it, uh, from the fetch lands to some of the legendary creatures to just. Goblin died? Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's just so much, so much good stuff in there. And I had a, while I, I usually don't mind cutting cards, it came to a point where I really, there weren't a whole lot of cards I wanted to cut at that point. So I did a little bit of an expansion. So I went to, you know, 60, I think I'm at 62 cards per color, 62 artifacts. Uh, I think it's 62, it might be 65 or 66. I don't know. It's somewhere around there. Um, I run a lot of lands. I think lands are super important. I actually run, uh, an equal land section to the rest of my colors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's something we can, I'm definitely more than willing to talk about at some point. 
Um, because I, I've been in drafts where people don't draft lands highly, and I just always have the most ridiculous, absurd decks because I have good mana fixing and, and other people don't. Yeah, and I, I think, think a lot of people are do the whole. Well, I don't want to open a pack and see five lands. Where when I open a pack and see five lands, I'm like, Woo, we get to maybe <laughs> loop one of these too. Good lord! So you know, I, I try to keep everything equal. I don't do the thing that you do, even though I admit it makes sense. I still have the Dalkin Shackles in my artifact section because it's an artifact. Yeah. I still have you know uh, Crystal Shard, you know. I think it's fine because you can still activate it without a blue mana. Um, but, you know, Vidalkin Shackles would be the, the biggest point of contention that, yes, for all intents and purposes, it definitely is a is a blue card. But I, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time. I, I look at the card and I go, well, doesn't have a blue in its mana cost. Yeah. Shatter that I, thing. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to leave it in artifacts. And I, and I haven't had a problem with, oh, my God, I, you know. I, I really need a space and I can't put this anywhere. And, you know, I, I've never felt like I've had to struggle a whole lot for figuring out what to do with when new cards come out. You know, I, I did a little expansion, but, you know, moving Vidalkin Shackles from Artifact to Blue isn't going to help that much when a new set comes out that there's 20 cards, 30 cards yeah. that you can like, add from the cube. Or like Infi Good Artifacts, like it looks like Scars, I mean, uh, Besieged and whatever the next yeah, set well, after I, that is. I, I, I hope so. I hope, I hope you know, we get some more of that because there hasn't been a whole lot. I mean, there's there's been a few. We've definitely seen some good equipment uh, printed recently. But, you know, I definitely would like to see some more artifacts. And I'd like to see, you know, I'm hoping they'll actually uh, print some good blue cards too. I, I know I probably blue, casual players around the world are, <laughs> are cringing in their corners and talking to themselves right now. But, you know, outside of, of Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, which is obviously absurd. There's, I, I'd like to see some just nice utility blue cards, you know, yeah. instead of big finishers or, or things like that. I'd like to see some, uh, you know, some thirst for knowledge type cards or you know things like that come out that that can find a home. Yeah, so, I was, I was trying, I'm not sure what set Preordain came in because it, it's like that's a I, that's a base set. That's a core set. One, yeah, that's oh a, yeah, one. Scry M11. Duh. But like mainly when it comes to th- like when people think about cards in sets, like most people tend to think, oh, this will be a good constructed finisher, or, you know, this will be, you know, first pick. And I tend to think, like, huh, that will be like when uh, Flameborn Hellion came out. The first thing I thought of was, like, hey, that looks like a good finisher in a commons cube. You know, it's just, like, finally, you know, just there was not much good six drops in red, and I was, like, that's, I tend to mainly think first in terms of cube and the rest, you know, whatever. Sure, sure, yeah, preordains way awesome in cube, by the way. Yeah, totally. The card is card is super sweet. That's exactly the kind of stuff I want to see. Well, when you're talking about, you know, since you brought up the fact of when new sets come out, you, you look at cards. Let's talk about some some of the recent sets that have come out. Um, first, let's talk about Scars because when Scars came out, you know, we were, I know all of us were really excited about. Oh man, I wonder what artifacts they're going to be and and uh, you know, Mox Opal. Everyone heard the name. We're like, oh man, it's going to be a slam dunk for the cube. And then we actually saw it. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of reminded me, I think uh, you and I were talking online when uh, Glindhawk was being spoiled. And I, I don't, I, I think I might, I might have been talking to you about it, uh, but like Mike Turian was spoiling it in little bits on Twitter. Yes, yes, you were. Okay, and it was like, he said, it's a white mana for a 2 2 creature. I'm like, nice. 
And then he's like, it's flying because he, he put in blanks and he had everybody fill in parts. And he was like, uh, then, like then they figured out had, yeah, then it was like, then they found it had flying. I was like, nice. And then eventually, or no, I think he said it was a common first. And when he said it was a two show, I'm like, nice. And when he said it was a flyer, I'm like, uh oh. And then when the rest <laughs> of it got spoiled, I was like, boo, this. I mean, mainly because, like I said, I, you know, was thinking of it. In terms of Cube, and that's kind of what I did with Mox Opal. I was like, Mox Sweets could be a good Mox for Cube, and then saw it, and I'm like, ah, oh. it was like, bump, bump, boom. Yeah, for sure. It's just like, oh no. I mean, yeah. I, I might have even listened to Glenn Hawk of was Return a Land to Your Hand. Yeah. I mean, I, I might be fine with it. And by saying I might be fine, I'm pretty sure I'd be fine with a 2 2 for 1 that you just have to, you know, bounce a land when it comes into play. Yeah, like uh, a, a Skyfisher kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But instead of two mana, you know, instead of an extra mana for a point of toughness, you know, uh, granted it's got other applications, but I yeah. think I could have dealt with that quite nicely. Mm-hmm. But the one card that, you know, I kind of got excited about when I first looked at it and really got me thinking was going to be good was uh, Skithrix, mm-hmm. the Blight Dragon. And then I thought about it. And then we all thought about it and was like, you know... This card's kind of awkward. Yeah, it's it's like it, it it was one of those cards that definitely seemed really impressive in terms of cube because it was like it's, it's evasion. It can kill somebody and like it and that you know could give it, it haste. haste. Yeah, and yeah. then you could finish somebody off in like three swings or you and know it could two. regenerate too, right? Yeah, man, it's so good. Why but isn't then, it any good in cube? Mm-hmm. And then oh uh, wait, and then it was yeah like. And that was one of the things I remember thinking when the set came out. Like, I wasn't sure if Infect dealt both regular damage and poison or just poison. And I think I asked some magic, you know, developers or whatever on Twitter, and they were like, just poison. And I'm like, huh, guess that sucks for cube cards. <laughs> and then, yeah, frown. Yeah. But I think it was, yeah, one of those things where, you know, I really wanted to, at least, you know, when I started thinking more and more about it, you know, the creatures, you know, pretty much all the creatures with Infect, but Skitherix was one of those disappointments. Yeah, because, oh man, it looked like it was going to be so good, and it's like, oh man, it's a it's a fast, a hasty black finisher, and yeah, just, like, uh, just not convinced, because, you know, it's, even though, you know, life totals definitely matter for other things, the, the, the most important one, you know, the value of each life point. Uh, increases as you get down, and the, the by far the most important one is your last life point. Yeah, you know, it's uh, being a teacher. You know, a, a, a classroom, a, an unaffected classroom management skill is, well, if you get three, if I catch you talking three times, you're going to go to detention. So, <laughs> how many? I'll ask you, how many times do the kids talk? Two. Two. Obviously. <laughs> so you know, same sort of thing. It's like, oh, Skithrix kills in three turns. And, you know, the first two times it attacks, it doesn't matter at yeah, like all. Shrug. It doesn't like, do anything. Who cares? Yeah, even if you live the dream and get, like, a Warhammer on it, it's, like, still, it's, A, the odds of that happening, like, aren't super high or anything like that. And then, B, it's just, again, you can just, you it's, you know, it's... Or you can pretty, just put the Warhammer on something else that flies, like Kakusho. Yeah, it's, like, or a Grave Titan. It's, like, yeah, take... Take uh, nine, and I'll gain nine, and here's some zombies. Right, gain nine, here's some zombies, or, hey, take nine, and, oh, if you want to kill this, you're going to take another five. Thanks yeah. for playing. 
So, ugh. but now a card that I, I I was really when I first looked at, it, I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Was Mimic Vet? Now Uh-oh, Mimic yeah. Vet, I, I the first time I looked at it, obviously I associated it with the uh, the one card from Mirrodin the first time around, uh, the Soul imprint Foundry. one. Soul Foundry, I think. Yes, Soul Foundry. And I was like, and that card, you know, I had that card in my cube for a while, but man, it just never did quite enough. Yeah, and I have been like, pleasantly I, surprised by. Oh, sorry, I uh, I also had it in my cube for a while then, but yeah, just didn't never did enough. Like it, you know, it, you know, you had to exile stuff to it. And you had to, you know, it was those cards. It was a lot better in theory than it actually was. It's like, oh, but it was, you get a dude out and I'll shatter it. Right. Well, and it costs two cards from your hand. Yeah. You know, the first time to use it, and if you have to tap out, if you can't activate it the same turn, they're just like, oh, two for one, you, derp. <laughs> but, but Mimic Vat, Mimic Vat has, whew, I've been very impressed. Yeah. And, and it was this is a of... card, if you don't have it in your cube yet, you definitely you definitely should look, if you're, you know, if you're the person that likes to play rares in your cube that are good and do things. This is a card that, that you're going to want to be in there for for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which like, is that it doesn't cost you any additional resources. Like, uh, how did you, uh, you were telling me a little while ago about how uh, when you first put it in your cube and your experience with that, like you uh, put it in oh. like at a Grand Prix or something? Yeah, it was, we were at, uh, I was at the Star City events, the one, the 10K weekend in Nashville, and I was, uh, we were cubing, I just picked up a foil one, um, and so I put it in the cube and I, I kind of let everybody know, Hey, watch out for this card. Let me know how it is. And, uh, another cube forum regular and, and aspiring pro, uh, Kenny Mayer, uh, who goes by dark mind tone online in a lot of places wound up with it in his deck. And, and afterwards, you know, after we had played a few matches, got to the end of the cube and I looked at him and I walked up and I said, Hey man, like I, I saw you had mimic that. How was it? And he just starts shaking his head up and down vigorously and his eyes were big as saucers. And he's just like, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's really good, and, and I took that as a as a very glowing recommendation. And yeah, in the next he, draft we, we did, I had it in a in a deck of mine that also had uh, it was a smokestack braids deck. Oh, and, and I had it in my deck, and I had like Liliana's Spectre imprinted on it, or you know other cards you know come into play creatures, and it's just pretty much the most absurd thing possible. Wow, like yeah, Spectre. Wow, a total Spectre log. Wow. <laughs> Like, wow. oh, draw a card. <laughs> yeah, there was at one point, you know, my one of my opponents had no permanence in play, so they weren't allowed to talk. No permanence in play and no hand. So, not, yeah, you know, that's, that's the way we play. If you if you don't have any permanence in play and you don't have a hand, you're not allowed to talk. Huh? Because so, so you suck. like, yeah, this is like, <laughs> I just did a, I just did some motion. I don't even know what I did. Just kind of like a shrug, and like, yep, I'm dead. <laughs> The same, right, the same thing with, you know, if you're drafting and someone gets all their packs stacked on them, they're not allowed to talk until they get un- unstacked. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, because, you know, stop talking and start drafting. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing, like, yeah, like man, shut you up, suck, you don't, take... deserve to, you don't deserve to keep talking, you don't have any permanence in play. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was fun for me and my team, at least. Yeah. It definitely, so, yeah, that like, card uh, has been absurd. I... I kind of jumped late on the card. Like, I, you know, at first thought, I'm like, this card seems good. I don't know if I have the room for it. And then, you know, and, and yeah, we'll get into, you know, how to evaluate cards and stuff like that. But, sure. like, I I saw it in, I think in the pre-release, somebody had it with, like, some replica. Like, I, this first time I saw it was somebody against me. And he, I think he had some replica. I think it was wizard replica. And, of course, he wasn't 
doing anything worthwhile with it. But I remember thinking like, wow. And then you kind of got the, you know, the gears going, not just being like, this card's good and limited. It'll be good in my cube. Just kind of thought like, you know, the applications and, you know, overall effect and how it just, you know, just blanks. It doesn't, well, maybe it doesn't blank removal, but it makes it so much worse. Like, I think I'll go and kill your Grave Titan with, you know, with, with a mimic, active mimic vat that you have. It's like, that's not a good idea. Right, because then there's, Grave Titans for every turn! Woo! Yeah, essentially a tap three to get four zombies or whatever. Right. And take six. Wow. Right. Wow, or, that's pretty broken. Yeah, it's like, man, I'm just... <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that. Like, starting to drool uh, just thinking about it. Yeah, like, and then eventually, this, like, I think it was about three bucks, and then I started creeping up. I think it was when the card was, like, at five or six or something. And then I saw it in, like, a local store for three bucks, and I was like, windmill slam, three bucks. There we go, because <laughs> I guess they hadn't caught on to it. But thankfully, I did, and I got it on the cheap. Yeah, that's I, – I was able to trade for mine. I think I – you know, the guy wanted six in value for a foil one. And, you know, I was I was very happy to accommodate that nice. particular individual for, for that price. Well, you were talking about doing some card evaluation. Let's, you know, uh, let's take a look at some – even though we only have about – five or six, you know, new cards coming out. Um, you know, the the big the first big pair were the Crusaders, the Mirren Crusader and the Frixian Crusader. And I feel like these two couldn't be further apart on the how good am I in cube scale. Yeah, like uh like yeah, because when I first saw so the first one being spoiled, I forget which I think it was the Mirren, the the white one. Like I was really impressed by it. I'm just like at its worst absolute worst you know it's essentially a four two for three you know granted it's a little harder to cast you know white one and two white but essentially a four two and then if you give it any kind of pump or if your opponent's playing black or green you know it's just so much better like i would i you know i proxy cards a lot and i've already got mirror and crusader and hero of uh, bladehold in my cube and somebody drafted a white green deck playing against somebody who essentially built a Jund deck. Okay. And the guy with the white-green deck had Mirren Crusader, and the guy who had the Jund deck was pretty much frown town. Yeah, ni- nice nice card. Yeah, it's like, it, it even, like, got through Raging Ravine. It's like, yep, that's a nice green there. Right, nice nice green land, idiot. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, that card was just really impressive. And then when I saw the Infector, and I was like, huh, well... Can't win them all. Right. I mean, but but the card itself, I mean, I think any card with double protection, you know, protection from X, protection from Y, um, is something you definitely have to look at. But I, it definitely suffers from the same problem as Skithrix. Yeah. Insofar that, well, this is great. Yeah, this is a really solid creature. But I, I think we can both agree that it's definitely a defensive creature. And I don't know if a three-mana defensive creature is something that we need, especially considering that if it blocks, you know, uh, a, a creature that isn't white or red, yeah. it's going to die. You know, it's not something like Wall of Blossoms or Wall of Omens that at least has, you know, a four butt that can, you know, survive a, an aggressive creature attack. If it's not one, of, if it's not in the wheelhouse of its protection, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's dead. Even then, like most of the time I wouldn't, you know, I would play Wall of Omens, you know, it's fine even against an, a, a, a uh, mid-range deck. 
Whereas, you know, the Paladin, the, uh, the, the, the Phyrixian Crusader just doesn't do as much. Whereas essentially, yeah, just a wall and he's like, well, I can attack five times for the win. Right, yeah. exactly. One more time. Well, you know, Usman, you're going to go to detention if you talk five times. <laughs> you have you have four points on the board. What are you going to do? Cricket. Yeah. Cricket, you know, <laughs> exact kind of thing. And it's just unbelievable to me how this pair of creatures, while I think very well done flavorfully, at least for the cube, I mean, double strike protection from two different color creature. I mean, I I pretty much now in my cube have most other pr- double protection creatures. I all the white ones, you know, Paladin and Vec, Mystic, uh, Mystic Crusader, both of which are unbelievable. I've been mm-hmm. I've been very happy with the recent edition of uh, Stillbirth Cavalier. Yeah, I was um, gonna say Stillmoon. God, that guy. Is oh so yeah, Stillmoon. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and the, the thing, I, and he's a zombie. Like if you're playing it in a deck with like Graveborn Muse or Sarcomancy, it's like, hey, and oh, man, he's a zombie. Yep. War cards. Yeah. So you know, I, I've been very happy with those. You know, the the two ones for three with double protection. So, I, I mean, I I see Mirren Crusader, especially now that we're getting another sword. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that are just going to be just going to be bonkers. And there's you know? other stuff like uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Oh. Which is a card I initially was like, man, this like I did a podcast on uh, I keep plugging stuff, but whatever. But hey, I did a podcast on uh, I did a podcast on limited resources, which is an amazing podcast, by the way. For if you're huge into drafting, go to MTG Cast and listen to limited resources. It's amazing. But anyway, I did a cube, an episode on cube drafting, and I talked about Stoneforge Mystic, and it, it's. At first, when I was thinking of the card, I was like, this isn't going to, you know, who cares? The one, two, Squire, and if, like, I put it in a deck with, like, one equipment, and, like, I draw it, I got a Squire and no toolbox. Like, it's essentially, you know, a lot of the, t- at least when it first came out, a lot of Stoneforge Mystics decks were good because of the toolbox. Like, it would have, say, oh. a Bastless Collar, a Sledge, and a Warhammer, and... Oh, you um, have little faith. Yeah, and then, like... And then, you know, I started thinking about it more and, like, start – I think I tested it. And I'm like, let's see how often that happens. Like, let's see how often people get the two-plus equipment deck. And you know what happened? A lot. Yeah. And I'm only running, like, I think 10 or 11 equipment. But by the time this set is done, it'll at least have two swords. Yep. And I then, mean, the, Morrow has hinted – I mean, pretty much confirmed that there's going to be all three swords once this cycle is complete, once yeah. this block is done. So – I pretty much figured that out, like, when Body and Mind came out. I'm like, they're going to complete the cycle with all the opposing swords. And if they I know, don't... And, the, and they're so tricky. The opposing swords are actually the alliances of the uh, of this conflict, too. Because yeah. the red-white is the mirror, are the mirror colors, and the black-green sword would be the uh, Phyrexian colors. Mm-hmm. So tricky. Yeah. I think they, like, flavor-wise, I've, I've really been a fan of this set. And I, I don't know. I'm hoping there's some good... Multicolor cards, although apparently the blue-black Tezzeret, or I guess I f- phrased that badly, the new Tezzeret is going to be blue-black, and I have no idea what I'm going to take out for it, because blue-black is so good. Like, I'm going to go take out, I don't know, it makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, well, you're going to have to see how good it is, too. Yeah, I mean, like, assuming he's not be, like, you know, yeah, he's not like, assuming he's not like Nissa Ravain or something, or something either so linear he's horrible, or mm-hmm. so... Like Chandra Blaze, where it's just garbage. It's like, ugh, well, no. 
Yeah, oh, I love I, I'm still thinking about Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, I, I so, love me the Stoneforge Mystic. And it was you know because every time I play a deck you know in the cube and it's like oh I have an Umazawa's Jitta, or oh, yeah I have a sort of you know I have a sort of uh, Fire and Ice. Mm-hmm. Man, you know what would be awesome if I had two Swords of Fire and Ice. Yeah, two Umazawa's Jittas. And that's ex- for me, that's exactly what it's been. And that was, you know, one of those fortunate cards that when I saw it was printed and I heard that the artifact block, the artifact cycle was coming next. Mm-hmm. I think at one point I was up to 17 regular copies for trade. I had four wow. of my own. I have a foil playset for myself, a foil one for the cube. And I was up to 17 extras because I was able to trade for them for two and three dollars each. Wow. Um, and as a little bit of speculation, yeah. And uh, I looked the other day on uh, Star City, and they're selling them for uh, ten bucks each. Regulars? So, yeah. Yup. Wow. So they're retailing for like ten now. So I was just like, whew. I actually feel smart for once. But yeah, that's that's one of my favorite cards, and it you know, and it saw some extended play last season because mm-hmm. you know you can go tutor up your jittas with it, and it. If if that's if that's a card you're hesitant, that's another good one. If you're hesitant on running that one because it's a squire, it's, yeah, uh, that's it's right. pretty good. And then, you know you also get to cheat your equipments into play as well if you're playing against a uh, a blue player who who has counter magic or if you need to if you want to cheat on on the cost of it as well. You know, yeah, like get a sword into play for two exactly, or you know you know get it into play for one cheaper or. If we ever get more expensive equipments that are good enough, you yeah. know, if they if they hit the four mana mark, obviously that's going to be a way to cheat those into play as well. So, yeah. And one so of those cards, cool. like uh, I don't know, like Deathman- Nim Deathmantle was a card that I've been trying. I've been yeah, I don't know. Been? I don't know. Like I haven't really seen it much, but it's been kind of a card that I've been testing. It's been not bad. It's more I find it's more of an insurance policy than mm-hmm. anything. It's just like, yep, want to kill my dude. With four man open, attack. You know, it's, it's. I think of it more in that way. Although okay. I don't know, like there's there's different ways to play it, but I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I haven't added that one yet, just because I I'm hesitant to play cards unless I'm the blue player. I'm hesitant to play cards that re, that require me to leave a bunch of mana up in order for them to be good. Obviously, Nim Deathmantle is very good because you know it does exactly that. It gives you you know protection from those creatures, especially if you have creatures with come into play abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, screw all you people who say it's oh it's good, it enters the battlefield. No, comes <laughs> it into play, play. comes into play. So if, you know if you can keep you know rebuying those, you know yeah that's awesome. But I, I feel like the equipment cost and everything else is probably a bit steep for it to be good playing magic normally instead of, oh, well, I'm just going to leave four mana up all the time because I, I can see a lot of players, well, I want to make this card good, so I'm going to leave my four mana up instead of playing another guy and having it get killed. Because, well, if I play a, if I play another guy in the Wrath of God, then I won't have any guys. You yeah, know? and, and well, I think they're they definitely... If they don't have the Wrath of God, then you're just giving them extra turns to live, so... And I think that's definitely uh, a thing when people, like, people miss, like... If people misevaluate cards based on how they like, if they don't play it the right way, mm-hmm. like yeah, if they play, you know, if they play Death Mantle and they, you know, again, I'm kind of iffy on the card. Like, I'm not saying it's a great card. I'm not saying sure. it's garbage. I'm just kind of saying, uh, I'm Switzerland. And yeah, you're my, at it. Wave you're my right, Swiss right. flag. <laughs> Time will tell. Time yeah. will tell. But I kind well, of like 
like, and I don't know if we'll have time to get into it on this episode. Yeah, we're probably of, just about running out of time. I think we're gonna have to wrap this, wrap it up, kind of like the uh, Dave Chappelle show, the wrap it up button. <laughs> wrap it up. But you're gonna say, I don't know if we have time to talk about it now, but oh, in the gotcha. future you will talk about. Oh, gotcha. Dot dot dot. When dot, they talk dot, like uh, with uh, you know card evaluation, like I, I find that sometimes, in terms of magic, I find people tend to look in very polarized ways like path to exile when it was first print like when that was getting spoiled people were like this card sucks it it just uh you know excel you you know played on figure of destiny it levels them up you know or not level it accelerates them it's like accelerates people oh my god it's like a bad utopia vow or it's like a better utopia it's a bad source to plowshares yeah and then you know or realist you know just being more realistic like you know just thinking well yeah, that'll happen, and it sucks when that does, but that's not going to be right. the way it's always going to okay, be. Okay, well, so you can't you can't path, path to exile their turn one birds. Yeah. Oh, well. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. Like, you know, who cares? Yeah. Well, hey, man, well, this has been a lot of fun. We should uh, we should definitely do it again sometime in the uh, near future. Amen. So, very cool. Well, hopefully by next time we'll we'll have some name suggestions and a name, and maybe, you know, by production we'll even have some funky theme music and uh, – <laughs> I want to thank you, everybody out there. I want to thank you, first of all, Usman, for doing it, and all the people out there who have who have made it this long through it and, and taken a listen to it. I really appreciate you guys uh, spending your time with us. Thank you very much, Anthony. It's been a blast. Awesome. Well, let's do it again soon, Usman. I'll talk to you later. All right. Later. All right. Bye. Bye.